Last time on the podcast, we wrapped up the series around preservatives in your skincare. And you might think of that as season one of continued series around deconstructing your skincare products or around what's really in skincare. So future series will include the botanical oils commonly used in skincare, antioxidants commonly used in skincare and antioxidants are something that we've talked about in the past. Some, however, they really deserve their own merit and a little bit more of a deep dive into some of the individual antioxidants that are used in skincare. And then also, in addition to botanical oils and um, antioxidants, also emulsifiers, which are absolutely necessary when you're making a lotion or cream um, or conditioner. So anyways, for now, we're pulling back from that super scientific kind of up close nitty gritty view of skincare products and talking more holistically in today's episode and the episode next time will be about Ayurveda and how that's relevant to skincare. So today, even though we've talked about Ayurveda on previous episodes, we really haven't talked about it yet in terms or in the context of skincare. And so today is going to be yet another introductory episode into Ayurveda with a specific bend toward how Ayurveda or the views of Ayurveda when it comes to your skin health. So that will be the topic of today's episode. We'll talk about the categories of herbs and where they fall on in an Ayurvedic context. We'll talk about um, specifically Ayurveda's view of, and this extends beyond herbs, of course, this is herbs, food, um, anything that comes into your body. So it's even um, beyond what comes into your body through your mouth. It's what comes into your body through all of your senses. You can think of anything entering your body as being categorized into the classes that we're going to talk about today. While today's episode is still another introductory um, episode into Ayurveda, on the next podcast, we'll finally start deep dive into some common Ayurveda herbs in skincare and also into the specific Ayurvedic herbs that Rain Organica has incorporated into skincare products. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Holistic Wellness, a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll find holistic skincare in one simple routine. After seeing the power of Ayurveda in my own life, I decided to explore more about Ayurveda's use of herbs in skincare and healthcare. So one of the things that I love most about Ayurveda is how much it focuses on the concept of balance. Rarely does Ayurveda recommend use of a single herb regardless of a person's constitution. So it really seeks this 
it views health in relation to balance. It's everything in moderation and everything in relation to your particular constitution. Ayurveda teaches support for all three doshas. And we've talked about doshas before. You can think of doshas as synonymous with energies. And to do this properly, it's typically necessary to blend herbs so as not to push a person out of balance. So we've talked fairly extensively about doshas. And again, the closest English translation, at least that I can think of for dosha would be energy. And these are combinations of the five elements, ether, which is synonymous with space, air, fire, water, and earth. And these five elements combine into three distinct energies. So we have vata, which when you think vata, you can think mobility. It's composed of the space and the air elements. Pitta, which for me, the easiest way to think about pitta is transformation. It's composed of the fire and water elements. Kapha, stability is a great way to think about kapha. And it is composed of the water and earth elements. While you are made up of a very unique blend of these three doshas, you also express these three doshas differently throughout your body. For instance, it's possible to express imbalances in vata, pitta, or kapha dosha through different skin conditions. So what skin conditions are associated with vata imbalance? Well, when vata is vitiated or deranged, which basically means when vata is high within your body and raging, the most common skin conditions are dry skin, flaky skin, wrinkles, calluses, conditions like psoriasis, when psoriasis presents with scaly patches or lesions, and also eczema, when eczema presents with cracked, dry skin. Common skin conditions that are associated with pitta imbalance. So when pitta is agitated, the most common skin conditions are acne. And this also usually involves kapha dosha. Rashes, examples of rashes would be poison ivy, atopic dermatitis, rashes of unknown etiology, melasma, uh, which of course is uneven skin pigmentation, and freckles. And then skin conditions that are associated with kapha imbalance. So when kapha is agitated, the most common skin conditions are acne, specifically oozing acne, because of course acne also usually involves a deranged uh, pitta dosha as well. Large pores are a sign of agitated kapha dosha. Easily clogged pores are a sign of aggravated kapha. Too much sebum production contributing to a greasy appearance and midday shine. Puffiness from water retention or poor lymph drainage. And bags under your eyes, again, from water retention or poor lymph drainage. Something we haven't talked about yet on the podcast 
is about which dosha dominates in each stage of your life. The kapha time of life begins at birth through your teens, during your teens and throughout early adulthood, so into your 30s, maybe 40s, is the pitta stage of life. This is dominated by transformation. You're becoming an adult in all aspects, physically, mentally, and how you show up in the world. This is the stage of life where it's a true transformation. You're, you're developing the ability to stand on your own, to live on your own, um, again, and always physically and mentally and in all aspects. From sometime in your 40s or maybe 50s onwards is the Vata stage of life. If you've noticed that your primary skin conditions change as you move through life, this is common. For instance, it's most common to have Pitta Kapha type skin conditions such as acne and problems with that midday shine during your teens and 20s and Vata type skin conditions like wrinkles or vata pitta type skin conditions like irregular pigmentation during your 30s onwards. And we've talked previously on the podcast how children's skin is different from the skin of teenagers and adults. And this is because children are in that kapha stage of life. So this is before the pitta kicks in, it's before hormones are being produced within the body like sex hormones and even cortisol. Um, or adrenals are really kicking off um, in that pitta stage of life, in the beginning of that pitta stage of life. So it's, this is one of the things also that I love about, there's so many things I love about Ayurveda. This is another one, how they recognize and, well, how they recognize all of this and then how well it ties in with Western science. So it's Western science really in many ways supports what was established in Ayurveda or what was spelled out in Ayurveda. And just to continue, if you missed that episode on how a child's skin differs compared with a teen skin and adult skin, hit hit up the show notes and click that link. It's linked right there in today's show notes. You may have noticed with some of these skin conditions that were mentioned that more than one dosha played a role in it. It's common that two doshas and sometimes even all three doshas play a role in skin conditions. For instance, sex hormones begin to be formed and secreted during puberty which is the onset of the pitta stage of life. And often this is when acne shows up for the first time. From the Ayurvedic view, pitta is moving into upseat kapha and both pitta and kapha doshas play a role in most cases of acne. Conditions may present with different symptoms as well. For instance, eczema that's angry and oozing is dominated by pitta and kapha doshas whereas eczema that's dry, itchy, and scaling involves all three doshas because dryness is associated with the vata dosha, itching is associated with the kapha dosha, and skin conditions in general are associated with aggravated pitta dosha. In Ayurveda, the herbs used for skin care are commonly grouped into one of four categories. 
These herbs may be considered drying and cooling, drying and heating, moisturizing and cooling, or moisturizing and heating. It's common to blend herbs from across these categories to create a balanced concoction that maintains the balance of the doshas. This is true whether the herbs are intended to treat a skin condition or are used to maintain your skin's health. The herbs treat the skin topically. So the herbs that are used to treat the skin topically are often the very same herbs that are used internally for other conditions. The reason why these herbs work topically and internally, even for different conditions, is because your body is whole, your body is complete, and your body is an integrated system. And that is one of the things that I love about Ayurveda. <laughs> it recognizes your body as a whole rather than divided in separate bodily systems with different treatment plans for each. Rather than seeing your body as your nervous system, your skeletal system, your reproductive system, your digestive system, Ayurveda instead views your body as a complete holistic system that's composed of various layers. The health of each layer within your body depends on the health of all the other layers, and it's vitally important to keep each layer clean through appropriate detoxification. We'll explore the layers of your body according to Ayurveda more in another episode. For now, the basis is that clean blood nourishes all the tissues of your body, including your skin. And often skin conditions are a result of inefficient elimination of the metabolic waste within your body. From a Western science perspective, this would be why conditions like acne and other skin conditions pop up during adolescence rather than during childhood. Suddenly your body's having to handle hormones that weren't present before. So your liver, which is one of your body's main detox organs is having to break down those hormones for elimination. Your liver also cleans your blood. So when it's taxed, like for example, through a new environment of hormones to deal with, plus your regular diet and lifestyle. So let's say too much stress hormones produced along with your sex hormones, then your liver becomes overburdened and unable to properly deal with all the stuff that it needs to deal with. And this comes out instead through your skin because your skin is also a path for detoxification. In case you've ever experienced an acne flare or a flare up of a skin condition when you're stressed, say whether you've taken on a new job, you've taken on a new responsibility at work, you've moved, you've had a major change in your life, a marriage, a sick loved one, any of these things then you've seen this in action. The extra stress hormones generated during this time, coupled with your body spending more energy in dealing with the stress, taxes your body's natural detox system. Your liver, your kidneys, and even your lungs and your skin all play a role in detox. The result of that extra taxing is that your skin takes on more burden for detoxing your body through your pores. 
You're able to support your body's natural detox processes through sweating. And here it matters how you sweat. Ideally, you'd use a sauna or a natural heat cave or hot springs or hot tub to make you sweat rather than vigorous exercise. And the reason for this is that you want your body to be in a parasympathetic state. So that's the rest, digest, relax state rather than a sympathetic state. So that fight, flight, freeze state. In a pinch, yin yoga in a hot yoga classroom will work or a slower flow yoga in a hot yoga classroom. Now, what if you aren't able to make one of those passive sweating conditions work for you? Then take the gentlest hot yoga class you can find and hang out for as long as you can, like 15, maybe even 30 minutes for Shavasana at the end of it. Another way to support your body's natural detox processes is to dry brush. Dry brushing helps stimulate lymph flow within your body, and this supports movement of metabolic waste to your detox organs. There are several posts on dry brushing over on the website. Those are, of course, linked in today's show notes, so hit those up if you'd like to learn more. Another way to support your body's detox processes is to breathe especially breathing deeply. When you breathe deeply, the movement of your diaphragm provides an internal massage to your liver and to all of your other internal organs. Because your lungs are also one of your detox organs, by breathing deeply, you're helping your body detox. And here, when I say all of your other internal organs, I'm talking about those organs situated around your core. So think your liver, uh, mainly many of your digestive organs. So your liver, your pancreas, your spleen, your small intestines, large intestines, even your stomach when you deep breathe. Another way to support detox is by doing Pilates. I've talked about Pilates before on the podcast. And of course we're talking about it again here. Pilates focuses so heavily on moving your core. And this is an area that's not often moved when you're doing exercises. So just think about strength training when you're lifting weights, you know, that's all your arms and your legs moving, but not necessarily your core. And it's the same with walking, running, jogging, those sorts of things, cycling. So when you do Pilates, you're and focused on your core, all of that core work, you're massaging those detox organs, you're stimulating deeper lying lymph nodes. And of course, some episodes and some posts on Pilates are linked in today's show notes as well. And then drinking more pure water is another way to support detox. Drinking the purest water that you can find fluoride free, preferably support your supports your body's detox processes. Now the key when you're drinking pure water is not to overdrink. Instead, be sure that you're drinking when you're thirsty and also monitor how much you're drinking a day. So if you're one of these people that doesn't get thirsty very often, try drinking warm or hot water. Uh, you, you definitely 
So I, I'm one of these folks who believes you don't have to drink a gallon or a gallon and a half of water. Like that is a ton of water. You don't have to drink that much today. It's just taxing to your body and, you know, who wants to go pee every 30 minutes. However, drinking too little water, even if you're not thirsty, is also a problem. So being sure that you're getting adequate water intake throughout the day. And I'm more of the mind of like, 64 ounces of pure water a day, 64 to maybe 92 or so um, is sufficient, I believe, for most of us, unless we're working outside and that sort of thing. But again, listen to your body. And I'm not a healthcare professional in any way and not here giving health advice. Your diet also plays a huge role in your body's ability to detox. And by adjusting your diet, you're able to reduce the demands on your detox organs while also supporting proper detoxification. For example, broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables contain a compound known as methane. The acronym for that is DIM, and it's commonly referred to as DEM. And this compound supports healthy estrogen metabolism down the C2 pathway rather than the C4 or C14 pathways. Here, I believe there may be a typo. I believe that should be C6 or C14 pathways. But anyways, uh, down the other two pathways where they're, uh, actually, I think it's C4 and C16. I'm pretty sure there's a typo there. But it supports it down the good C2 pathway instead of the alternate um, pathways, which have been linked to uh, negative health outcomes. And diet is also where herbs play a role. Herbs, whether you eat them or apply them topically, are part of your body's diet. Again, in the next post, we'll talk about how We'll talk about many of the common Ayurvedic herbs that are used in skincare and how these herbs support healthy skin. I hope today has been a good introduction into Ayurveda's view of health of your skin. So again, what we talked about today was at least from an Ayurvedic perspective. And again, I believe Western medicine or Western science supports this. Scientific studies definitely support this, that your skin is not a system unto itself. It really is integrated with your entire body. And so skin conditions that you see are often an indication of a deeper lying problem. And arriving at the root of that, oftentimes it is an issue with detoxification. And so we talked about having, how having clean blood, and this is blood that is sufficiently detoxified by your liver and all of your other detox organisms or organs, goodness, cannot sit here. All of your other detox organs is paramount for your overall health. And this includes your skin's health. And essentially you may be wondering where are all these toxins coming from? Well, honestly, they're just a normal byproduct of the metabolic processes within your body. So oftentimes when we begin to metabolize food um, and other things that enter our body, because let's face it, we live in a fairly toxic world today. We're surrounded by leachables from plastics, uh, surrounded by, you know, fumes from cars and um, 
even in paint and like even common household things emit fumes. Think a new yoga mat or a new shower curtain, new carpet, um, like your laundry detergent, any, anything that's got artificial fragrance and this sort of thing. So all of these things that enter your body, whether that's through smelling, you know, you breathe them in, uh, whether it's things that you, you eat, um, whether things that you absorb through your skin, however, they're getting into your body, your body is taking those and metabolizing them, whether they're good things or quote unquote, bad things, your body is still taking those, breaking it down into things that it can use. And as part of that, uh, because when, when food is metabolized or whatever is into your body is metabolized, there's always some sort of exhaust coming off that process. And that exhaust needs to be cleared from your body. And after all of the nourishment is pulled out of the food, then you still need to eliminate what's left. So you can think of these detox processes as clearing out the metabolic exhaust and then also clearing out used food. Um, and again, whatever else may be entering your body. So that kind of rounds out um, today. We, again, we went through the doshas, which I know we've spent time on before. However, it felt relevant to go ahead and rehash those here, especially in light of how, of which skin conditions are related to which dosha or which doshas um, play a role in certain skin conditions. We talked a little bit about how your, your skin may, um, may show your age even when it doesn't show your age based on your skin changes and your skin conditions change over the course of your life. And so what you may have struggled with when you were a young adult or a teen might be very different than what you struggle with today. And you may see continued changes and expect to see continued changes as you celebrate each birthday. So again, next time on the podcast, we'll really dive deep into the Ayurvedic herbs. These include ones that you're very familiar with, like aloe and cucumber. And then they expand to some that you may not be as familiar with, like Indian gooseberry, also known as amla, and moonseed, and a whole host of other additional ones. So stay tuned for that episode. As always, please share this podcast with anyone that may be interested in this and be sure that you're subscribed to the podcast as well. So you know when that next episode drops. All right. Until next time. Bye.